Oops. You stumbled into that leadership position. You had a big vision, big ideas, but it hasn't gone quite as you planned. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Accidental Leader Podcast with your accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Welcome into episode six of the Accidental Leader Podcast. I'm your host and fellow accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Thanks for joining us again. And so far in the first few episodes, I've shared a little bit about my leadership journey. We also heard from some leadership experts and author, but but now just a few episodes in, it's time to get into why this podcast really exists, to share the leadership stories of other real accidental leaders. And today's guest is a special one as we kick things off. She has lived through my accidental leader transformation from an immature diva, and that's probably the nicest thing people have called me through the years, to whatever I am now. It's not perfect, but certainly not what I was about five or six years ago. So our guest today, she started as a junior graphic designer at one of my marketing firms, your marketing company. And her first six months on the team, I don't think she spoke more than a few words. She was quiet, certainly not someone that I looked at and said, she's going to be leading my team someday. But here we are. That's the definition of a true accidental leader. Three, two, one. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com. Courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company and Uncommon. I want to welcome the Vice President of Ideas and Results at your marketing company, Jennifer Pham, to the podcast. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You have been practicing for this for several years because you've, you've joined, uh, is it Toastmasters? Yes, it is. And, many years of Toastmasters. And, and you've had some very colorful speeches. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, today's interview to see what things come out of this because I never know what to expect from you. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So first, before we get started on your leadership journey, I want to talk about how you got to your marketing company. You had applied for the junior graphic designer position. You were over five hours late for the interview. It was five hours, right? I was not five hours late. That is boldface lies. Three hours. The, the t- every time I tell the story, the time increases. I remember you saying that. So how late were you for, the, for your very first interview with us? It was probably 30, maybe 40 minutes late. It was nowhere near the hour mark. Okay, that's a big difference from five hours. That that time's just going to keep going up. At some point, I'm going to say you were eight days late for the interview. And here we are. But 30 minutes. So normally, that would have been grounds for us just canceling the interview and and moving on to the next candidate. But you had a great story. I at least had to listen to it. And and it was because of that 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 you're here. Will you tell us that story? Yes. Please put on your listening ears because it's a good one. My interview was at two o'clock on a Monday after one of my last finals. I was going to school in the capital of South Carolina, which is USC Columbia, not California. To set the stage, we have to go back the day before that weekend, Sunday. My husband, then boyfriend at the time and his roommate, wanted to go paddling down the Saluda River in a two-person canoe. Sounds like a grand time. If you've been keeping any mental math, that means three of us are distributed in a boat meant for two. We headed out with my boyfriend in the front, my roommates in the rudder on the back, and I was sandwiched between them. 
We had a cooler, some sandwich bags for our dry bags. And the guys decided that I was taking too many photos with my phone and wanted to put theirs separately from mine. We're padding along and I see and spot this man in a kayak minding his way across the river shirtless. I may have had some liquid courage and declared to the group that we should race him. I start to paddle furiously and the guys decide that this was my endeavor and they just laugh and stop paddling content to just watch me. Well, you know what? I don't need them. I can do this by myself. So I'm digging in my paddles deep to hustle and bustle against this shirtless man, just content on gliding his way on the river, dragging the weight of two useless men in my boat. I'm tilting the canoe to get leverage. And just as I'm about to overtake this other man way across the way in this imaginary race, my boyfriend decides to lean into my lap. Well, needless to say, it threw off my balance and I flipped the boat. Uh, we fished ourselves out of the water, but my phone had been waterlogged in those critical moments because I didn't properly seal it back from any waterways. And I had a dead phone. Fun fact, the capital of our state does not have an Apple store. The city where the interview was and where I grew up, Greenville, has two. So I figured I'll just stop at the Apple store after my interview. But how do I find the interview? I have no GPS. I have no phone. You know what? I'll just quest it. Yes, I map quested it. It looks straightforward. I just take the interstate, get off on exit 42 for Lawrence Road. I'll be right there. While I drive along, I see a sign exit for exit 31 for Lawrence Road. And I'm like... I think it was 41, but do I, but it says Lawrence Road. So I panic and I turn and needless to say, I was in the town over. I got hopelessly lost and I had to stop at a Papa John's to ask for directions, much like my ancestors had to do before me without phones. And they told me I was 20 minutes away and I needed to just follow the road. Um, I also had to pass the office because it was engulfed by a huge plume of construction dust because they were doing construction right there. And I couldn't call them to tell them I was late because I had no phone. It's not like I had the number written down either. So yeah, I showed up about 35 minutes late and they got to hear I was phoneless. I showed them my dead, no longer wet phone that I wasn't just lying up an excuse about being late. And to this day, this is why I have always have a waterproof case for my phone. And can we take a pause from the leadership discussion for a moment, talk about what great marketing that is? Because if you had walked in and just said, oh, my phone died, I couldn't find it, we probably wouldn't be here today. But you had this, this great story, and you're a great storyteller, and, and that always adds a lot of value. So thank you for your uh, colorful story. I, I always appreciate that one. So I want to go back to when you started as a junior graphic designer. You, you were a damn good designer, but what was the first time you thought, maybe I want to try out this leadership thing? What sparked that inside of you to say, I, I want to do this? Well, there wasn't actually an exact moment that prompted me to think about leadership that way. But I knew that we had the FLY program that offered resources that I wanted you to be a part of. And by and the way, for I, listeners, FLY is Future Leaders of YMC. It's our leadership program at our company. Yes. And I've always been called an overachiever in school. And it comes with the territory of being a first-generation Asian-American and just kind of being a sponge for learning. And it wasn't until I entered, accepted, and was through the program that I really start to learn about what leadership meant. Um, because before, it was just a vague concept. It, it really didn't mean much of anything. I just knew that this was a resource that I could have and an opportunity to take part of. And then only through the program was it able to solidify for me, what does it mean to be a leader? 
So your definition of a leader at that point, before you started Fly, when you said, eh, maybe I'll do this thing, what was your definition of a leader at that point? To me, at that point, a leader was an like official title. It was like a person who commandeers their troops, a person who you know is a coach of their team, just like these official terms of people in charge of a specific set amount of groups leading them to a mission or a vision. And in that point in my life and career, I didn't even know what a like a peer leadership was where when you're, you know, you're leading yourself and the people that you're working with, because it doesn't, you don't have to be in charge of anyone in order to be a leader. It is just, it's just a concept that you can just empower. So you were one of the first participants in the fly program several years ago. When when we first started that, you hadn't been promoted to a leadership position yet, but you were learning about becoming a leader through that process during, during that 12 month period. As you look back, what did you learn about yourself and leadership that has gotten you to where you are today that, that has helped you get there? Communication. Commun- good communication is the bridge between confusion and clarity. In my monthly coaching calls from being in fly, it was a perk that I got. I was always seeking advice about how to speak with someone, my direct report, my coworkers, my boss. How do I speak to this person about this issue? They're so different from me personality wise. It's been a continual refrain for me because I'm always concerned about how a person will react. How will they respond? To this day, this is something still that I've been working on. But over the years, the answer to this question is authenticity. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. But honestly, there is never any right way to say something to someone. No script, no magic words, no formula that will guarantee a positive outcome. We can never control how someone will react or receive something. But the intent of how you say something will always resonate. If it's with concern, care, and kindness, that will always hold true because people can sniff out genuineness or disingenuous in a heartbeat. And communication is the art of hearing as well as being heard. And, and all of what you said, I, I would say you're, you're one of the smartest leaders I know, but you're like me. You, you are a sponge. You used that term before. You, you are constantly investing in yourself. You're, you're reading, you're listening to podcasts. I, I don't think as a leader, you can just very few people can can just automatically become a great leader with with no effort. You put in a ton of effort to that. I I truly believe that leaders need to constantly be investing in themselves, learning, growing, gaining perspective. And and it could be through through the various ways that that you and I do that from reading, from from coaches, from podcasts, and learning from other leaders we've worked with. As part of your time in Fly, one of the opportunities you had was to attend something called Next Level Life uh, with our coach at the time, Chris Lucurto. It's a deep dive into your life, your, your root system, why you do the things you do, why you act the way you do. It plays a lot into, into how you lead. And it, it's one of the things that, that I want in my leaders. I want my leaders to have an understanding of themselves and, and what's in your root system, why you react the way you do, why do you communicate the way you do. What was one takeaway from your, your three-day next-level life experience that you carry with you today that has made you a better leader? Yes, that next-level life was a big contributor to my preparedness to even take any kind of leadership roles. And that was a mental boot camp therapy session in three days. It's How many boxes of tissues did you go through? I went through quite a few. That is not an um, easy, easy event to go through at all. No, it's not. It's it's a really deep dive. And I had no expectations when I went into it. And ultimately, I learned about myself, how my past experiences 
trauma. The people in my life in the past and now have influenced me the way that I think, respond, and act. Knowing your inner workings, the way you are motivated and triggered, you have to know yourself first and lead yourself before you can lead anyone else. And it doesn't stop there. You have to continually work on yourself, just like you said, Bo, and improve, uh, develop your EQ, your emotional intelligence, because how are you going to help someone work on their strengths and weaknesses unless you've worked on your own? A team is only as strong as their weakest member, but also a team can only cap out at the height of their leader's level. If my capacity as a leader is limited, then how on earth would I have any resources left to lead my team? I use the word awareness. When I went through Next Level Life, there were so many aha moments of of, of Chris saying, well, why do you think you believe that? Or why do you think you act that way? Or why do you think you did that? And, and you never really pause to, to have that conversation with yourself. And I think the more you learn about your root system and, and the people who, who've invested in you from, from your past, make you who you are today, I, I think you can be a, a better leader. And as part of fly and attending things like Next Level Life, it's to learn how to lead yourself well. And, and before you can lead yourself well, I, I think you've got to have a true understanding of yourself. There, there's been people in the past that, that always show so much potential and, and want leadership, but they say and do things that are, that are counterproductive to that. And it's always frustrating because you can see just how great they could be if they would get out of their own way, if they would, if they would pause and take inventory of their self. And in the last episode, we talked with Brian Rollo a lot about the importance of leading yourself. And it's important to me that I hire leaders who are going to treat my people well. If I'm going to put you in charge of my people, I, I can't say you're going to be perfect because that would be expecting more out of you than, than I could expect from myself. But it means leading yourself well first. When you hear lead yourself first, what, what does that mean to you as a leader? Leading myself first means that I am aware of myself, what my weaknesses are, my triggers, and just knowing because people remember bad leaders that they've had or people just that we've worked with that you, they're just like, oh, you know, they got really defensive when, you know, they point out something was wrong or a mistake was made. But a true leader you don't hear about because it is something that people observe, process, and they just like, oh, wow, they, you know, that was a really difficult time. They really didn't know what was happening, but they behaved in this way. They, they, they chose to make action in this way. And that's what people remember. And you can only do that if you have true inventory of yourself, your capabilities, and just being honest as a leader, because that's what people really value is truthfulness and honesty and, and the genuineness as you are, then, you know, how they behaved or what they said, you know, people don't remember that they remember the intent. You know, I've mentioned this book several times. I don't know if you've read it. I've shared it with the team. Uh, it's a book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. And throughout the book, he goes through all these stories of, of leaders that have failed and leaders have succeeded. And, and the one commonality among those that have failed, they didn't lead themselves well first. They, they continue to sabotage themselves or, or let ego get in the way instead of thinking about their teams first. Do you have an example of that? Someone you've seen in the past, no naming names, we don't need names, but is, is there someone you've seen that, that could have potentially been a great leader, yet they just couldn't get out of their own way? Yes. It's always the people who have so much potential and obviously the the resources and the intelligence and the, and the wit or what whatever have you whatever their strengths are but if they are not applying it if they are not using what they have if they're not asking for help or just any other courses of actions then they're going to ultimately get in their own way because 
you can give them the resources, you can give them the tools, but if they choose not to change, make a difference and continually just repeat their what's comfortable to them, their own habits and not change to get a different outcome and just continually doing it, then they're, it's always going to end up in the same way that they're just stop gapping their own success. So I don't have kids, so I can't put it in that term, but, but I can look back at Walter the cat who came to my house in July at a, at a mere four weeks old. And, and all of a sudden now, now here it is months later. And I don't recognize just how much he's grown until I look back at pictures of him. And I, I think leadership is the same thing as a leader. I, I don't see my growth, but it's amazing when, when our, our coach will stop and say, think about where you were three years ago. Think about the conversations we were having then versus the conversations we're having now. And, and I can, I've got a front row seat to your leadership journey and just how far you've come. And every time you've had a struggle, you, you've overcome that. So I want you to reflect on, on you personally. What was one of the biggest struggles you had after earning your current leadership position? What were you feeling? How did you eventually overcome that struggle? People. The hardest thing, you know, in our business or just working with is always people. The, it's, it's hard. Why is to that? <laughs> I don't know why. Because you can't um, control them. You can see their potential. There's things you want them to do, but they have to choose to. Gosh, that's the hardest thing as a leader is people. I, I agree with that. Yeah. They, like, it's hard to recognize your own faults and mistakes, but it is really hard, especially if you hired someone and you have to fire them. That part does not get any easier. In fact, it gets harder because the more you build a connection with someone, you trust them, you believe in them. But ultimately, like I said, you can give them the tools and resources, but they have to make their own decisions whether or not they want to use it. They have to want to change and improve. And no amount of willpower on you will ever affect that. And that's just kind of how it goes. <laughs> I was having coffee with a, a leader. This was about two years ago. And he was in that position. He had hired someone. They were friends, which he said, that was probably a bad idea to hire, hire a friend to work for me. Things weren't going so well. And, and someone else that was in the group with us had this advice for him and said, if that person was truly your friend, they never would have put you in that position in the first place. And, and as you look back, you, you think you share with someone, this is your job. Here are the things that I need you to do. And, and I know the word choose, chose, chosen is big for me as a leader because you can share with someone, here's what I need you to do, but they have to choose to do it. And, and I think what's gotten easier for me is, is you know, giving people the chance to, to do what they need to do. First, looking at myself uh, and say, how did I contribute to this? Do, do I need to do something? Do I need to change what I'm saying or, or teach them more? But in the end, if they just choose not to do it, it takes a lot of pressure off you as a leader because they're, they're almost choosing their own destiny. They're choosing not to do their job. And it, it still doesn't make it any easier, especially if you have a connection with someone. But, but I can recall a few times where, gosh, I think the first time I, you had to fire someone, I let you go do it. And, and it would have been so much easier for me to just do it for you and say, I got this. I got it. Step back. I'll take care of it. But you went and did it. And it was probably one of the, the hardest things for me as a leader to watch you go through that and watch you struggle with that, what, what did you learn through that? Because you, you've had to do it several times since then, but it's been a very different experience. I think I'm pretty sure I have probably cried each time I've had to do that, <laughs> regardless of whether I intend to or not. It just ends up happening because you just, you know, it's a, it's a lot, it's a really hard 
decision to, to, to have the conversation to do or say to someone. And that first one that you talk about, he texted me after the fact and said, I don't uh, disagree with anything you said. I totally agree. I really appreciate, you know, your leadership and how, you know, and I, I just wasn't a, a qu quite fit, but it just, it just made it worse. It just twisted the knife in my heart. Um, cause we actually only had this person for a month is how long he lasted before we realized it was just not going to be a fit for us. And for him to reach out back out to me and saying, you know, I, you know, you're, you're a kind person and I really appreciate the time I had with you, but you know, I totally understand. I mean, it doesn't make it any easier, but it was the right decision, um, to make. And even as you know, I've had to do it over the years. It doesn't, it doesn't get any easier and it, it get, just, just really gets harder, especially if you get invested in them and you believe in them. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it ends up being really not my choice, but their choice, their, their decisions and whether they choose to do or do not do something, you know, it's ultimately up to them. It wasn't me. Um, I, you know, pull the ax or the hammer or the guillotine, but like they were the ones that made the choice and on the path that they chose to take. Can I just pause for a moment and, and say that is the sign of a great leader? How, how proud I am of that, that, that you can do one of the most difficult things that you ever have to do as a leader. You fire someone. You're, you're ultimately taking the food off of their table. And for them, not just once, not just that one occasion, but, but I know several times past that, people reach back out to you, whether it's a day or I know in one case, it was almost a year later, and thank you for what you've done. And apologize for, for their peace in it. Holy crap. You, you are amazing at, at that, doing one of the hardest things that you have to do. So it, as a leader, if you're, if you're like me, and I know you, you've grown a whole lot faster than I did through this. It took me a good 15 years to, to get my stuff together. It's only taken you a, a few to get where you are, well beyond me. But I, I know I always say progress, not perfection. As an accidental leader, what do you still struggle with today? It's actually making the time to work on myself and develop myself. It's really easy to get sucked in and work on tasks. I am a big believer in the servant leader where you're, you know, you're doing the work that you ask other people to do. But ultimately, as a, a leader, it, it's hard for you to get the time for yourself rather than always bailing out or helping or just accommodating or coaching others is to work on yourself for the harder stuff, the cerebral stuff, the you know, leveling yourself and improving yourself so that I can take the team with me and fostering the learning that, you know, oh, I just really learned about this. You know, I never thought about this. What do you guys think? And that that is what is the lifeblood of keeping things improving and growing is as long as you're always growing yourself, you're growing others and the people that you touch around you, whether it's intentional or, you know, just a brief glimpse, it's you are always influencing others. And I feel like having that time for yourself is always hard to carve out. I remember going through coaching and, uh, and I kept getting hit with, why are you doing all of this stuff? You own this company. You, you're supposed to be leading people. You're spending zero time doing that. You're spending all of your time on these tasks. And, and I finally started to get it. I finally started to delegate. And, and it was a control thing for me. No one can do this thing better than I can, so I have to do it. And that was a huge lie. The reality was... My team does it differently than I might. And in some cases, the outcome is even better than, than what I would have done. But once I started freeing up my time to actually lead people and, and focus on leadership and, and strategy, our business really started to grow. 
And, and I know one of the biggest pieces of advice I got is once you start to delegate, you're going to have this, this vacuum of time. You're going to have an hour here, and all of a sudden you're going to have three hours here. And you're going to be tempted because I get my self-worth from doing things. I, I'm a high D on the disc assessment. I like to check things off. I like to get stuff done. And, and the advice I got was you're going to be tempted to fill that time with more tasks because you have more time. Because that's where you get your worth from is, is doing things. Fill that time with spending it with, with people, with strategy, with, with writing, with leading. And I didn't know what that meant because these were all obscure terms. What, what in the world is leadership? And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute. Spending time with your team, one-on-ones, and, and coaching, and reading, and investing in, in yourself. So looking back after several years of, of being in a leadership position and learning and growing a ton, if you had to give yourself advice, was it three years ago, I think three years since you've earned this leader, leadership position, on day one, knowing what you know now, what advice would you have given yourself back then? I would tell myself to believe in myself, trust my gut, trust my instincts. I feel like a lot of us choose to ignore it. We, we, we logic ourselves out of a decision making. Oh, you know, maybe it'll get better. Or maybe, you know, all these other things will happen. And this is just a one-time occurrence. But with, I've had a lot of difficult conversations. And even the times when I found myself asking people, strangers or just people that I work with or other leaders or anything else, it's really me validating what I know in my heart to be the right choice and answer and decision. Granted, I said before, there's never the right words in whatever you say, but in terms of action, if you really look at yourself, you already know the answer. You don't need anyone else to confirm or, I mean, you might just to boost yourself up, but honestly, wherever you are, everyone has really got good gut and instinctual things that you just have to be confident to commit to it and listen to it and follow it because ultimately as long as you are authentic about what you're doing and there is you know kindness and care of the people that you have to work with and how you're relaying any kind of information is always going to be the right decision no matter what it is yeah i don't know if you've read this or not i go back to there's a book called the gift of fear and i forgot who the author was uh but basically his job he he worked with celebrities and and politicians when people were stalking them, like he would analyze what is the percentage or, or what is the possibility that someone's going to act on something. And, and through his work, he talks a lot about the fear that you have and that gut feeling you have. And, and he always goes back to news articles that say, I never would have thought about it, about this person doing that. But then if you go back and look at some of the, the things that happened you really should have thought about that. And, and he puts that in, into a leadership tone of you get this gut feeling. Why do you have this gut feeling? Is it just because it's, you're walking through a dark parking lot? That's probably not enough to have a gut feeling. Did you see this guy three times when you look back, when you're walking through this dark parking lot and you've got this gut feeling? Yeah, there's probably something there to it. And it's an amazing book about you, know, you get this gut feeling as a leader. And you probably should act on it if you have the evidence there. Don't turn your head to that. So final thoughts as we wrap up the podcast today to the many fellow accidental leaders listening to the podcast right now, what would you say to them if they're beginning their leadership journey and they're just starting out where you were just a couple of years ago, what would you say to them to encourage them and and help them grow? I would just say that if they're an accidental leader, that means that they are not something that they probably didn't seek out for the title, the glory, the accolades, even as successful as you know you possibly ever could be as a leader, 
the most success you would have is your people. If they succeed, then you are succeeding, but they are not a reflection of you. And you will make mistakes. You will mess up. You'll say the wrong things. You'll act in a way that you really regret. But at the end of the day, if you're honest with yourself and you are empowering others, if they succeed, then you succeed. And if they mess up, then it's equally your mess up too. Um, you, cause you will always as a leader, take the brunt of anything that goes awry, but it is not a part of you. It is a person of caliber who is influencing and growing others. And ultimately you, you don't need that because if you're a true person who cares for everyone else, if you know, you just can revel in the fact that they're, you know, they're doing well, ultimately it may be a reflection of you, but it's also their own efforts and their own work and sweat and tears that got them to where they are with a little bit of guidance from you. And I feel that that ultimately is what it means to be a leader, no matter what position, what, if you have or in charge of people or not, is anybody that you touch, you know, as long as you're being a positive influence is a success. You said something that stands out to me. You probably didn't seek this out. If you're an accidental leader, you probably ended up there by accident. That's the definition of an accidental leader. And, and how you got there was exactly that way. I, I recall we, we had to let the, the leader of our, our design team go. We were without someone in that position as we were interviewing. And you just stepped up and did it. You, you led that team better than anyone who had ever been in that position. And you weren't even seeking the job. You, you just stepped up and, and saw what needed to happen. And you just did it. And that, I think, is the, the difference in folks. When I go back to that Ryan Holiday book, Ego is the Enemy, the type of leader that, that isn't seeking recognition, they're, they're not trying to get their name on a statue somewhere or, or just climb the corporate ladder. They just see a need that needs to be filled, and they just walk in and do it. And, and that is a true accidental leader. Jennifer, we're recording this in business hours, so I want to be respectful and let you get back to leading your team. But I just want to say thank you for for joining us on the podcast today because your story, when I think of accidental leader, it was coined when, when I was a guest on a podcast with, with Chris Licurdo, but I couldn't think of, of someone who embraces that definition any better than you. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for having me and believing in me, Bo. And that is a wrap on episode number six. If you want more resources to grow as an accidental leader, be sure to check out the website, theaccidentalleader.com. We're also on Twitter and LinkedIn. And, and I just want to th- say thank you to everyone who's been listening and sending in the kind words. I get so many notes of encouragement after each episode we've done. The stories that I get from other accidental leaders who say, oh, me too, that, that's happened to me that can relate to some of the stories that have been shared and how that episode impacted them and, and spoke to them. I can't say thank you enough because that means so much that you're listening and, and taking stuff away from this. Leadership certainly can be a lonely place sometimes, and you may often look like you're the only one going through something, but these, these stories, as, as we hear from other accidental leaders, prove that you're not alone. That's why this podcast exists. Thank you so much for joining me on this leadership journey. Until next time. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company, and Uncommon.